These were the recommendations from the special grand jury. They are not binding on the district attorney, but we know who was ultimately charged in this case. And so after looking at the recommendations, we can see she passed on indicting 21 people. And there's two groups that are really raising uh, some eyebrows. The first are those lawmakers you mentioned, Senator Lindsey Graham and the former senators, Kelly Leffler and David Perdue. We don't know why she declined to indict them, but if you look at the votes, it's clear they did not have unanimous support uh, from the members of the special grand jury. And look, Jim, if you can't get uh, a significant support in a grand jury room, it's gonna be much tougher when you move to an actual courtroom. So that was likely part of her calculus. The other group is, of course, the Trump advisors uh, who were recommended, Boris Epstein, Mike Flynn, and Cleta Mitchell. Now, if you look at the math there, it, it seems similar. The votes, the vote breakdown is very similar to many people who were charged, like former President Trump and Rudy Giuliani. So at this point, it's not clear why she declined to charge them, but that's going to be something we're really going to be watching during this trial. Are they incredibly significant witnesses? Have they provided something else that would have prompted her not to move forward with charges? I also want to note that CNN was one of the media outlets that pushed to make this report public. If you look at Epstein, for instance, it was virtually unanimous that he'd be indicted by the grand jury. Of course, the DA made a decision not to. Uh, so there, there have been some responses, uh, including from Senator Lindsey Graham. What did he have to say? That's right. When it comes to Lindsey Graham, what the grand jury was looking at, there were these conversations, among the things, were the conversations that he had with Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. Raffensperger has subsequently said in interviews that these made him uncomfortable, that he believed that the senator was possibly encouraging him to disenfranchise voters when he was asking him to look for fraud. Let's take a listen to what Graham has said in response to this. I called around different states, including Georgia, as a sitting United States Senator, Chairman of the Judiciary Committee. I eventually certified the election in all states, including Georgia. I didn't find any evidence of mass voter fraud, but I did have concerns about the mail-in ballot systems in Georgia and other places. This is troubling for the country. We can't criminalize senators doing their job when they have a constitutional requirement to fulfill. It would be irresponsible for me, in my opinion, as chairman of the committee, not to try to find out what happened. It would be irresponsible for me to tell the voters of South Carolina what I did without actually trying to find out what the right answer was. So we're opening up Pandora's box here. Fulton County is one of the most liberal jurisdictions in the country. I fear this will spread, that the next election, Democrats may be on the other side of this. So at the end of the day, nothing happened. What I did was consistent with my job as being United States Senator, Chairman of the Judiciary Committee, but it was just not me. Three United States Senators were opening up Pandora's box. I think the system in this country is getting off the rails, and we have to be careful not to use the legal system as a political tool. How would you describe your conversation with Raffensperger? Were you surprised when he reportedly said it made him feel uncomfortable? What do you recall of that conversation? I, I called him from my office with my staff on the phone. Uh, yeah, I was surprised. I asked him hard questions and I got very, sometimes not reassuring answers. But uh, two sitting United States senators from Georgia called for him to resign. So I tried to figure out, well, that's a pretty stunning statement. I asked him questions about the mail-in voting process. I never asked him to set aside ballots or anything else. After the conversation, 
uh, I decided it was best for me to vote to certify the election because I didn't have enough confidence in my own mind to overturn it. But I can't speak from him, for him. But the phone call I had with him was made from my office in Washington with my staff on it. And I'll remind you that the senator fought having to testify before that special grand jury all the way to the Supreme Court. Ultimately, he did provide testimony and could potentially be one of those 150 witnesses at trial. And as you said, he said doing his duty. Brad Raffensperger, also a Republican, said he felt that Graham was pressuring him to disenfranchise folks. Uh, that was his testimony. So let's discuss with CNN legal analyst and former federal prosecutor Jennifer Rogers. Jennifer, thanks for being with us. Looking at the three senators in the report, the special grand jury was pretty divided on whether to recommend charges for them or not. In fact, there is one footnote from a juror that thought some of them were simply pandering to their political base and not engaging in a criminal conspiracy. Uh, this report is, is a really fascinating look at the way that jurors interpret evidence. It really is. You never get this sort of insight into what grand juries talk about. But ultimately, the decision, of course, was up to Fonnie Willis. And she and her team must have decided that they either couldn't indict the senators and former senators or it, it wasn't worth doing, that they decided in their discretion not to. There's some legal issues here, Boris. There's First Amendment political speech issues that arise with elected lawmakers. There's speech or debate clause issues uh, that come up that they could have had defenses on. So it's a trickier case than with a lot of these other folks. And I think that's at least part of the reason why Fannie Willis and her team decided uh, not to charge the three ultimately. And yet she did wind up charging former President Trump. Could we potentially see him argue that he was just pandering to the political base? Well, I think we'll see him argue a whole bunch of stuff, including that he's just immune from prosecution by a state prosecutor. We have a lot of motions coming in not just this case, but in all the cases. Uh, and I do think we will see during the course of uh, all of these trials, a lot of statements by President Trump being read into the record to make the prosecutor's case. And I think his response to all of that evidence is going to be, hey, you know, I'm just a politician kind of saying what I need to say. So I do think that kind of argument will rear its head in different ways, but it's not really a defense. I mean, if you have proof that someone was subverting the election results in a criminal way, it's not a defense to say, hey, you know, I was also just pandering to my base. So I think prosecutors will be ready for that. Uh, notably, any of the 19 co-defendants could have objected to this report being released uh, the deadline was on Wednesday. None of them did. Jennifer, who do you think benefits more from these details being made public, the prosecution or the defense? Well, it's, it's interesting because I think what it does show is that Fonnie Willis and her team really did use their discretion here. I mean, they didn't just rubber stamp the special grand jury's desires here. They decided not to charge in 21 instances. So uh, to the extent that defendants are going to say, hey, this is all political. She just indicted me and the other 18 defendants because we're Republicans. That doesn't hold up when you look at who they decided not to indict. At the same time, there's a group here that isn't being talked about so much that has interest. And that's these 21 people whose names are now out in the public realm. And we now all know that the special grand jury suggested they be indicted, but the prosecutor decided there either wasn't enough evidence or that they shouldn't be indicted. So I, I think that's a real problem. You know, the, the fact that Georgia law allows for this release shows a real uh, commitment to transparency on the part of 
Georgia, which is terrific in a lot of instances. Uh, but I do think that there's value in not releasing people's names uh, in connection with suggested charges if they're not ultimately charged. And so I don't want that issue to get lost here. I wanted to look more closely at the question of discretion uh, that you brought up about Fonnie Willis, because there are uh, people that were looked at here that received just as many votes recommending indictments as folks that were indicted, but yet they were not. Walk us through potentially some of the logic behind those decisions. Well, it's hard to know why folks in the grand jury room vote one way or the other. You know, you can see what they're doing, but not really into their heads. But what prosecutors have to do is different. You know, they have to, knowing the law, being lawyers, they have to walk through each defendant and each charge and say, do we have enough in connection with this person when you look at the elements of this statute to charge? Uh, and so they can't really rely on what the grand jurors think about that. They, of course, you know, are taking into account the investigation that the grand jury put forward, but they're the ones that have to make those decisions. So I don't think they were overly concerned with the vote counts, except in one instance. It is a good barometer if you're a prosecutor. If you're in the grand jury and you barely eke out the number of grand jurors that you need in a regular grand jury, a charging grand jury, not a special grand jury, that is a trouble sign for you at trial, right? If you can barely get the grand jury, you're going to have trouble with the actual jury that has to find unanimously beyond a reasonable doubt. So in that sense, they may have looked at it, but not in the sense of, can we charge this person? How strong is the evidence? Yeah, very rare that we get access to a report like this. Jennifer Rogers, we appreciate you walking us through it. Thanks.